Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. Colossians 2, 16 through 19 is about what is the place that you love? Where do you hold on? Where have you made your roots where you're knit together with other people? And not just the river, not just panhandle, but the friends and the family that we have here, the God that we get to worship together. This is home, amen? This feels like home. And so as we dive into Colossians 2, uh, I just want to invite you to step into a little bit of a different place this morning where we're not just preaching or teaching uh, the Bible in terms of um, a history or knowledge or awareness or understanding of what it means. But what I want to invite you with me to this morning is a place where we, we grasp the heart of God and what He wants for us, not just for eternity, but for right now, for living this life, for creating an environment and a world and a place and relationships where we hold tight, we hold fast to the heart of God together because we need it. We need each other to survive in this world. We need it. We need this worship, this experience, these moments to draw our hearts together to understand Him in His deity and His fullness because it's what binds us together. We're all very different. The way we think and the way we live and the way we dress and the way we speak and the way we act. But what binds us together is the heart of God. And that's so much of what this passage is about. Let's start in verse 16, Colossians 2, 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. What does that mean? Well, for the Colossians, keep in mind where they were, where they lived in first century, then Mesopotamia, now Turkey, where they lived in that region, so much of the religious and the spiritual and the ritual lifestyle pointed back to uh, a multitude of gods. And so people in that region had worshiped the gods of earth and sun and land and sky. And so what Paul is exhorting the Christians now, there in Colossae, what he's telling them to do is keep focus, lock in that we worship one God, one true God. We worship with one heart, one baptism, one spirit, 
Don't get wrapped up in all the other things that are among you. There's a part of your life that still wants to experience and practice these other things, these other ways, including Sabbath, Shabbat, Hebrew for rest, experiencing God. And what he's telling the people there is, don't be so confused or or focused on what you do for God, but let God dwell and live and be in you. Focus your attention, your affections, your lives on who God is, not just what you do for God. And this is so important for us for one chief, one principal reason. It's not about religion. It's not about the ritual. It's fully, completely, only about the relationship with God. Jesus Christ came, died, lived, raised from the dead, went back to be with his Father in heaven so that you and I had a person we could cling to, to hold on to. Now, for us, we would never worship you know, new moons and we would never worship uh, a Sabbath even. But here's where we can get kind of mixed up or messed up as Christians. We start thinking and arguing and we, pe- we see people all over social media and online where they raise themselves in the way they worship, the things they talk about, the way they do it, And then we kind of get a little defensive about, well, the way we do it feels right. And so I'm not sure why you guys, you know, do baptism or communion the way you do it, but God never intended for babies to be baptized. So you're doing it wrong. You with me? We get wrapped up in those things, the details, or maybe the way other people worship And we think, well, we're doing it right and they're doing it wrong. I've heard this said about churches. Um, Feel me on this just a little bit, right? Any church that's smaller than you is not doing something right. Any church that's bigger than yours, well, they're just watering down the gospel. You with me? And we have this tendency to judge other people in other churches and the way they do it. And then we think, well, when I walk into the worship center at my church, I sense the presence of God and he speaks to me because my pastor's a really great preacher. Amen. And so (laughs) don't amen that. And we immediately move into this place where we start judging other people. And this is Paul exhorting, not just the church at Colossae, but you and me, Don't get lost in that. Find yourself in the person of Jesus. You know what matters about that? It's not that you're a good church or or that we're a good church or that you're a good worshiper. It's that you belong to God. You have been bought with a price. And if the music we sing or the way we pray or the way we baptize or the way we do communion doesn't completely speak to you or satisfy your soul, it's okay. It's okay. 
Why? Because we, without apology and without doubt, worship a triune God. And we, there is no exception to that. Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of who we are and what we do here. Period. But we don't want to get wrapped up in all the religious talk. Don't let yourself get lost in what they're doing is wrong and what we're doing is right. There's a time and a place for defending God's Word. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared when someone asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But you know what else he says? He says, but do it with gentleness and respect. Why? So that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We want to be completely confident and have great joy in what we do here as the body of Christ. But not just as a church, but for you as an individual, a child of God. He wants you to know His goodness, His kindness, His compassion, and to breathe that air and to live in that world and to walk with Him, not as one who does good, watch this, but for someone who all the good has been done for him or her by Jesus. Religion is marked by what we do. A walk with Jesus, our salvation, our eternity is marked by what Jesus did. Do versus done, right? And we live in Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our chief, our captain, our centerpiece. He is the one. Him, not us. When we get wrapped up in those other things, even Sabbath, even getting, getting so focused on, I need to be at church on Sunday morning. That is my Sabbath. Not necessarily. Your Sabbath is a holy view that you have worked hard, done the things you were supposed to do all week, and then today we stop and we're still and we rest and we sit at the feet of Jesus and let Him renew our lives. And then not just on Sunday, but daily. Lamentations 3 tells us what that looks like. His mercies, the love of God are steadfast. They never stop. They never cease. His mercies always, always come to us. They never stop. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You watch me? Not just on Sunday morning, but every day of your life. It's a call to live in Him, to enjoy Him, to worship Him. Not just on Sunday morning, but every day. That's what this, this verse is about. Don't just do a good thing on Sunday morning, but every day of your life. He should be center, focus, the centerpiece, the object of your affection. Every day, Jesus. That's what He's doing for us. Why? Because we belong to Him. We belong to Him. Look at verse 17. 
Now all those things, right? The, 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 the Sabbath and the new moon, the drink and, the, and what we eat, all of those things are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to God. The substance, the things that we do day in, day out in our life are just a, subs- just a part, just a mere glimpse of who we are and who we are to become in Jesus. If we belong to Jesus and He is in the process of making us new, the New Testament calls that working out your salvation. We are walking in Him, learning how to follow Him. It's never going to be about what we do for God. It's never going to be about the goodness of our life because we also know, Scripture tells us, none of us are good, not even one. None of us are ever good enough. But Jesus is. But Christ is. What He did for us on this earth was enough for us. And so we get to swim in that water daily. We get to walk on that ground daily. The solid rock of Jesus. He is the substance. These things are just a glimpse of the things to come. We can do all the good we want every day and it is good and God might be pleased by that. And in fact, He probably is pleased with that when you do it in His name. There's no question He is pleased with that. But it's just a glimpse of the things that are to come. The substance is in Jesus. Are you, am I becoming like Jesus daily? Am I becoming like Him in my daily walk? There are some days when I think I am. There are some days for you when you may believe that you are. And then there are days when we just kind of get real with God and we go, I am a mess. My life is a wreck. And we start feeling guilt and shame about some of those things. Which is the complete opposite of why Jesus Christ died on the cross. Jesus didn't die so that you feel guilty about the things you're not doing for Him. Jesus died on the cross so you could be set free from that guilt and shame and enjoy Him and know that even when your life is a wreck and a mess, you can crawl back to Him if you have to and He's going to be there waiting for you every single time with open arms and He's going to say, you are mine. You are bought with a price. You belong to me. (laughs) And you know why that's so good? Because we don't choose Him. He chooses us. Jesus chooses you every day. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. He so loved you that He gave His Son for your life. Come on! That's a reason to celebrate, but not just to be pleased or happy or give thanks. It's also a reason to choose Him. (laughs) He chose you to open the door for you to choose Him. 
for you to ever understand Him, for you to ever choose to acknowledge Him. Your natural self, the sin in you, it keeps you from choosing Him. But because of Jesus, because of His great mercy with which He loved us, Jesus made a way for us to get back to God. This is what Paul is talking about. Don't get so wrapped up in the religion and the practice of spirituality that you miss the daily walk with Jesus. His mercies are new every morning for you, for me, to enjoy Him forever. Him choosing us means a couple of things that are really important for our souls. First of all, He saw all of you. He saw everything in your life. And he said, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And he said, regardless of the things in your past, hear me carefully, regardless of the things in your present, the way you're living today, the things you're choosing, the way you choose obedience on a daily basis in your life. I want to do the right thing, but I really need to do this thing Regardless of all that, God chose you and wanted you to know the full measure of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness for all sin. And that paves a way for you and me to daily give Him the glory for our lives, even when it isn't particularly glorious. You with me? And so back in verse 16, when He said, you know, whether, whether your, your food or your drink, whether it's righteous before God to others or not, 1 Corinthians 10.31 reminds us very clearly, whatever you do, whether food or drink or your attitude or your choices or where you live or who you live with or the things that you say, Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And then God will not deny himself. (laughs) He cannot deny himself. He wants to be glorified in your life. This is a great promise for you and me. You know why? Because it's not up to you and me. It was always up to him. And he wants to glorify himself in your life. And all it takes is you and me saying, Jesus, have your way in me. Little Kinley wearing that t-shirt, going into that water. I have decided. Did she save herself? No. But she is choosing very courageously, I might add, to walk into that water and to say, my heart belongs to God. That's bold. And that's what you and I have the privilege of. You have control of very little in your life. You control very few things in your life. And ironically, we are taught to take control. That's how we're programmed and wired by our schools, by others, by the world, by the voices of the world that says nobody can control you. 
And so we're taught to fight for control in our lives. And the reality is you only control maybe three or four things. Your attitude, your actions, the way you care for other people, the way you live. You choose that for yourself. Everything else is somebody else's control. You say, I control what I eat. Well, that's not true. If you're driving down the highway and there's only a jack-in-the-box, that's what you get. Here's a lie. (laughs) And I've heard this so many times. I'm sure I've said this so many times. She made me feel blank. He makes me feel blank, inferior, insecure, less than, whatever. That's a lie. They don't make you feel less than. You've chosen to feel less than. You know how I know that? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and stepped into your life and said, you are more than... You are more than a conqueror. Your identity is now in Jesus. You belong to Him. He chose you. You are. We let ourselves feel less than and insecure because we put our hope and our faith in somebody else and not in the person of Jesus Christ. (laughs) You with me? You are more than conquerors. Because of Jesus Christ. Why? Because He crushed the head of the enemy and died in your place so that you no longer are a prisoner of the enemy. Now you're a prisoner of the Lord, which is not a bad thing. It means we belong to God. Why? Because He is the creator of the universe and He spoke something into your life that you couldn't speak into your own life. Why? Because you don't control it. but He is good. Amen? He's good to find us where we are. His mercies are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. God, not my will, but Your will. That's a daily choice for us. He chose you. Look at verse 19. I'm sorry, 18. Because you belong to Jesus... Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Let's talk about a few of these things for just a second. Asceticism is this idea that you make personal sacrifice that you set yourself apart, you become pure, you deny yourself certain things, and that's not wrong until it's the focus of your life. The word here for this relationship with the angels isn't exactly worship like we talk about the worship of God. Instead, the the Greek word here really means more of a... um, of an invoking angels, calling on the angels to protect you, surround you. Which is not altogether wrong until it's the focus of your life. 
All, all of these things, whether food, details, visions, angels, all of these things, none of it's wrong. But what Paul is reminding you and me to focus on is not how spiritual we are, meaning I've received this baptism or this other baptism, and now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and now my life is what God wants it to be. It's not true. That's a part of the walk with God, and it takes us to a place where we can enjoy Him in His fullness and work for Him and live for Him and and see Him at work through us in others. Visions, praying healing, those things are 100% of God, and He wants that in your life. He wants to flow through you that way. But when it's our focus, we lose sight of, I am not good enough, and my life belongs to Him, and I want to see Him at work in me. I'm not just going to make sacrifices and become pure so that I can please Him. It's never going to be enough. I'm not going to call on angels and watch them go to work, and then people are going to see that God is in me, and they're going to trust me more. None of that is what this is about. Every bit of it is about me walking in step with a perfect, infinite, incarnate God. He's in my life and the Holy Spirit dwells in me because Jesus promised that at Pentecost or before Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, filled the Christians, fills you and me. And now we live for him and through him flows his power to see these great things come alive in us. We're not, we're not wrapped up. We don't get excited about what God is doing because of us. We get excited and we live in freedom and we enjoy Him and we walk steadfastly with a God who chooses us to do these things through. It's Him who is at work. We belong to God. He chose us. We get to enjoy this, this relationship. Whatever it is we worship, it has to be the person of Jesus, the heavenly Father, the Spirit of God alive in us. We have to and get to enjoy that forever. And then He does things through us that we could not do on our own. 1 Peter 4 talks about this, about us administering the grace of God in its various forms. Each of you, each of us, does what we can do the way God gifted us to show God's mercy and His grace to the world around us. And then He does these miraculous things through us, which we celebrate and enjoy, right? But it's Him at work, not us at work. All of that reminds us, as we walk through this life, whatever we choose to worship, whatever God we call on, whatever way we live, it is and it has to be the Savior of heaven for us, Jesus Christ. Why? Because you become like whatever it is you worship. You are becoming like whatever you worship. And if you're worshiping the things of this earth, 
the glimpse of things to come and not the substance of heaven, then you're going to be stuck here on this earth. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God dwells forever. That's what we want to become. We want to become like God, one with God, one with Jesus. We are becoming like him when we choose then to live for him and to follow him and to hear his word and to trust and obey and to enjoy him. And then it affects the way we worship here in this room together. And then it affects the way we live on Wednesday morning. This is the way God designed this for us. If you are focused on being a good religious person and a good church member, and you give faithfully, and then you serve when you're asked to serve, that is the pinnacle. Congratulations, you have arrived. But when we choose to worship Jesus, and then out of that devotion for Him, we do all those other things, we are not yet there. We are becoming like Christ. And it's so much better than anything this world has to offer. Including all the good rituals and all the good practices and all the good things of this earth. God gives us those things to enjoy Him in the present becoming like him so that one day those will never be satisfying and only his face and his presence and his throne room and the worship of him forever and ever and ever. That will be satisfying for our souls. That's where we're going. Look at verse 19. Don't get wrapped up in doing all these other things. Let no one disqualify you. No one can say you are not his or you are not good. Watch this. And verse 19, and not holding fast. When we're focused on the other things and we're not holding fast to the head, that's God, that's Jesus, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. We cling to Him because from Him flows anything in this world that is worth experiencing. We choose to enjoy pleasures in this world when we choose to worship Him and then He allows us to exercise or experience these things on earth. This is sometimes, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, we call them Christian liberties. We enjoy the things of the earth. Hey, I like TV. I like watching some TV. Not the same stuff she does, but I like watching TV, right? You enjoy that. You enjoy driving a nice car. Fine. But when those things become the worship and the expression and the exhilaration of your soul, it'll never, ever, ever be enough. Including the good things like going to a good church. It'll never be enough. It'll never be satisfying. Why? Because sooner or later, maybe I did it today, I'm going to say something that you're going to go, I'm not sure I agree with that. That's okay. We can disagree. We can disagree about some things. Because all of this stuff that we're doing, everything apart from 
the worship of Jesus Christ and the salvation of souls, every bit of it is non-essential. The essential thing is that Jesus died for your soul and he wants to set you free and he wants to set your neighbor free and he wants to set your children free. He is truth. He said it about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is truth. The heavenly Father is truth. The Holy Spirit of God is truth. Salvation found in nothing else but Jesus is truth. Jesus raised from the dead to conquer your old self and give you new life is truth. God's word is truth. And we want to live in that. Holding fast paints a picture of what is the thing in your life you are clinging to. What is the thing you hold on to to make you a part of the body of Christ, to nourish your life, to knit you together with others. Blood, life, flow through a system created by God in our bodies where it's pumped out here from the heart and it goes to all the rest of the body. This, we say Jesus lives in our heart because this becomes our essential factory. We need this to live. And it all flows from here. This is the head. The brain is essential in so many ways to live and function, but it all comes from here. But Jesus is saying to us through Paul that it all comes from him who is the head, not the physical head, but the spiritual head. It comes from him to all the rest of the body. Ephesians 4, you are a part of the body of Christ. He has gifted you a certain way to be an expression of who he is. We cling to him because we need him because all life comes from him. And when we are a part of him, knit together, nourished under the headship of Jesus Christ, we become a voice of hope to a dying world. (laughs) And then in some ways, the world needs you and me. Not the way we need Jesus, but it needs you and me to be that voice of hope for the world. So as I kind of leave you with this part of Colossians 2, I I just want to remind you that holding fast, holding on, clinging to the person, the heart of God, it is not complicated. It doesn't mean it's easy because daily living takes something out of us, doesn't it? The things people say to us or about us, the things we experience in the world, the pain that the world causes, 
for people that we love, sometimes us. Holding fast means I am going to choose today. I'm going to live for Jesus with my life, even when my circumstances make me want to do otherwise. I'm going to hold on to the heart of God even when I don't feel like it. Because our feelings deceive us daily. We get so lost in the condition of our life that we forget the Christ, the Savior of our lives. And so I want to challenge and encourage you to hold on to Him means tomorrow morning, Thursday evening, whenever you are faced with stuff in the world that makes you want to take your eyes off of Jesus, you say, not today, Satan. (laughs) My life belongs to Jesus. And I'm going to walk in Him the best way I know how, even when it's not good enough or I forget. I'm going to walk today in Jesus. Can you work and pray and challenge and commit yourself to do that? It's not complicated. It is hard at times, but it's not complicated. It's you choosing because I'm chosen. I'm going to live for Him and walk with Him this week. Will you do that with me this morning? I want us to do a couple of things here together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and and prepare to lead us through the song Gratitude, which is going to be a really powerful expression of when I'm at my wit's end, I'm going to give thanks to God. And we have some friends that are sitting over in ICU this morning. Chuck Smith, who is in an induced coma. He's one of us. He's in an induced coma over at BSA in Amarillo. He's had some stroke activity in his brain. Man, they're working really hard to bring him back to health. We want to pray that God would deliver Chuck back to perfect health. And we want to pray for Dina to be able to put her marriage and her husband and her life in Jesus' hands to walk with him in confidence and joy, believing he will restore her husband. But we want to pray for him to be healed and we want to ask for God to heal her broken heart right now for her husband. So let's do that first. And then I've got one other thing. God, we lift Chuck up before you this morning. And we just pray that you would step in to that room with him and Dina as they are in a place they don't want to be physically. God, I pray that even now as Chuck is hurting, suffering, walking through this moment, and Dina, his loving wife, is walking through this terrible moment, 
God, I pray that they would live and be awake and alive and strengthened and encouraged by your heart and your voice whispering into his ear, his hearing ear, God, knowing that you are near, that you are whispering, come to me, walk with me, live with me, enjoy full life with me. God, I pray that he and Dina would both hear your voice loud and clear and that you would set him free from that enemy of unhealth, unrest. God, that you would heal his brain. That you would heal his body. Oh, Jesus, do a work that only you can do in him. Let him stand and walk and be delivered and and raise a hallelujah to you with us again soon. God, we pray for Dina her wife's heart, broken heart, having to deal with all this excruciating hurt and in waiting. God, I pray that you would set her free to trust you and walk with you, to be wrapped up in your arms, to feel your joy, God. Do your best in them. And I pray that the nurses and doctors and all the staff at that hospital would see unmistakably that you are Lord of all over that room and that you reign and that you are healing and that you are setting free. Help them, God, to see that you are the one. You are the God who makes all things new. Help them today, Father. Help them every day. Help them see you and know you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here's what, here's what else I want us to do. We're going to have our prayer team in the corners and, and they're ready to pray for you, to speak life into you, over you, to speak God's word into your heart where, where you have gaps and where you've forgotten. And if you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus and know about him and know how to follow him and know how to, although imperfect, to walk with him, They want to help you find that. But here's what the rest of us are going to do. We're going to stand together in worship. And as we sing gratitude, here's where I see us going as a church, where our worship is so filled with the power and the presence of God that we cannot contain ourselves. And we find ourselves reaching to heaven, not just with our arms and our hands, but with our hearts where we don't just sing songs because they sound good, but we sing songs to God because they please His heart. And that joyful noise, whether you're on pitch or not, is pleasing to God. And so as we stand and sing, you do that right now. Let's stand and sing. I'm going to invite you and challenge you. Don't hold back. And not just for this song, but every time we come into this room, We lift our souls and our hearts and our arms and we open ourselves up to God. Watch this. This, this is is you locking in and making sure your heart is okay and safe. Your safest position is, God, come have your way with me. God, I need you more. God, I give myself to you. I'm not... This is not the silly meme, right? Where big TV, small TV, right? 
This is us saying, God, I'm open to you. And I want to feel you and see you and sense you and know you. I want to be in your presence. And I want to give myself to you. God, come. I'm open. I'm listening. I'm receiving who you are. This is not just something we offer to him, but it's something we receive from him. Let him have his way in you. As we sing gratitude, I want you to focus on, God, I am thankful for all you've done. Let him know. Express it to him. Let's be a church that is abundantly connected with the heart of God, living in him. Worship him today. Will you do that? Why? He's the audience, not us. Nobody else is watching. Nobody else can judge you or the way you've worshiped. We just said it in Colossians 2.16. Let no one judge you. Audience of one. Worship him. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.